This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. I must begin by denouncing Francesca, Francesca Gino. Over the past two decades, dozens of behavioral scientists have risen to prominence pointing out the power of small interventions to improve well-being. The t- scientists said they had found that automatically enrolling people in organ donor programs would lead to higher rates of donation. Now, you know of my interest in organ donation. And you know why, and you know how much I promoted it on that show. And they also said that moving healthy foods like fruit closer to the front of a buffet line would result in healthier eating. Many of these findings attracted skepticism as other scholars showed that their effects were smaller than initially claimed or had little impact at all. But in recent days, the field may have sustained its most serious blow yet. Accusations that a prominent behavioral scientist fabricated results in multiple studies, including at least one purporting to show how to elicit honest behavior. That scholar, Francesca Gino of Harvard Business School. She has been a co-author of dozens of papers in peer-reviewed journals on such topics as how rituals like silently counting to 10 before deciding what to eat can increase the likelihood of choosing healthier food and how networking can make professionals feel dirty. It looks like she, this woman who wrote this blockbuster study that was published in serious academic journals all about honest behavior, looks like she was dishonest about it. Francesca Gino, it looks like, is just a giant fraud. And Harvard is retracting a whole bunch of her papers that she has published. So we hear about this all the time. And it just makes me wonder, how prevalent is this fraud within the academic community of people making up data for the credibility, the money, the acclaim that comes with being published? I have a feeling that it's far more prevalent than most of us realize. And because this is happening way too often. I want to denounce the FBI, not for any of the things that Christopher Ray was testifying about this week, but for their crime data. Statistics from more than... I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, because these are real numbers that I'm about to give you. Pay attention. Pay close attention. This is not a drill. Statistics from more than 6,000 law enforcement agencies were missing from the FBI's national crime data last year, representing nearly one-third of the nation's 18,000 police agencies. That means a quarter of the U.S. population wasn't represented in the federal crime data last year. That's according to an analysis from the Marshall Project. 
The missing data doesn't just hamper the ability of policymakers to address public safety. It fosters confusion and uncertainty. So when you look at the FBI national crime data, you want to know what's missing. Florida's missing. New York is missing. And more. This is uh, totally egregious. For more than a 100 years, the FBI has been collecting crime data from local police departments through across the country through the Uniform Crime Reporting Program, which has been considered the gold standard of national crime statistics. By 2020, almost every law enforcement agency was included in the database. Then it all changed in 2021. In an effort to fully modernize the system, the FBI stopped taking data from the old summary system and only accepted data through the new system. And thousands, 6,000 or so, Thousands of police agencies fell through the cracks because they didn't catch up with the changes on time. So that's the solution that the FBI has? That if you're not on board with our new way of reporting, we're just not going to count it? This is insane. This is crazy. And I really think the value of the data from the national crime statistics last year is of very little value. Because so much of the country is excluded. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to denounce John Russell, former horseman of the year. He was recently inducted into the Carolina's Show Hunter Hall of Fame. I am doubly denouncing him because he killed a horse. He just didn't kill a horse, though. He shot a horse while trying to shoot his son at their North Carolina farm. The son was unarmed, and after he shot this poor horse, this poor innocent bystander horse, the horse was suffering and had to be put down. The son, thankfully, was unharmed. But uh, they are charging this lunatic with assault with a deadly weapon, among other crimes. This is crazy. This guy is sort of a legendary horse trainer and rider, and he's been training and riding for decades. I don't know what the son did to him, but for you to shoot your own son or try to shoot your own son, and he he doesn't have a weapon, I mean, there's no excuse for that in my book. I would never shoot my son. I would never try to shoot my son. And if I did try to shoot my son, I'd at least make sure there were no horses around. I want to denounce marijuana. Well, cannabis has once again been linked to mental illness. A major new study shows that people who abuse this drug, cannabis, are more likely to be diagnosed with depression and bipolar disorder. Now, um, people diagnosed with cannabis use disorder were almost twice as likely to be diagnosed later with clinical depression. You know... With more and more municipalities moving forward with legalizing recreation, 
uh, recreational marijuana. I, I think the the easy thing for a lot of people to do would be to view marijuana oh, as it's just like anything else. It's just like drinking. It's just like tobacco. And the truth is, it's harmful. And it, it's becoming increasingly considered a harmless habit, easy and legal to buy in most places, socially acceptable and pleasurable. But is it really safe for you? Is it really safe for your teenage children? Only time and more research is going to tell. But this research from the Danish, excuse me, the Danish Health Registry showing a significant increase in people suffering with bipolar disorder and depression who use marijuana, I think is very troubling. Now, again, they're not spelling out a cause here. There's a lot of theories as to possible causes. It's certainly possible the defenders of marijuana may say that, uh, well, if you're more likely to be depressed or suffer from bipolar disorder, you're more likely to be the kind of person that tries marijuana in the first place to alleviate those symptoms. That could be the case. I still find these very, uh, very troubling. And there's even some data showing that there's a potential link between using recreational marijuana and schizophrenia. So that is not a good situation. Not a good situation. Even though it's legal, it doesn't mean you should do it. So, marijuana, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. We spent a lot of time talking about the affirmative action decision by the Supreme Court last week. One of the things we didn't talk about was the dissent written by Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, in which she made a mathematically absurd claim about black newborns. In her dissenting opinion on that decision, she argued that diversity saves lives and that it was essential for marginalized communities. This is what she wrote. It saves lives. For marginalized communities in North Carolina, it is critically important that UNC and other area institutions produce highly educated professionals of color. Research shows that black physicians are more likely to accurately assess black patients' pain tolerance and treat them accordingly, she says, including, for example, prescribing them appropriate amounts of pain medication. For high-risk black newborns, Having a black physician more than doubles the likelihood that that baby will live and not die. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Now, let's put aside the fact that this is not a legal argument that she's making. This is what a policymaker would be saying. And it just goes to show you uh, what Eric Siegel has said repeatedly. The Supreme Court is not a court. It's justices are not judges. These are politicians in robes. These are policymakers. They shouldn't be, but that's what they are. So um, there is no evidence whatsoever that having a black physician for a black newborn doubles the likelihood that that baby will live and not die. That is a mathematically 
absurd claim. I mean, you don't need to research this to know that it's false. But if you just think about it, it's absolutely implausible and impossible. Imagine if 40 percent of black newborns died, thousands of dead infants every week. But even so, that's a 60 percent survival rate, which is mathematically impossible to double. You can't have a 120 percent survival rate. And the actual survival rate is over 99%. So I don't understand how she could have made such a basic mistake, which you don't have to know about the law or medicine to know is wrong. You just have to know a little bit about arithmetic. That, um, so it's just absurd. The, the footnote, the study that she claims claims this makes no such claim. It examines mortality rates in Florida newborns between 1992 and 2015 and shows a 0.13 to 0.2% improvement in survival rates for black newborns with black pediatricians. That is a statistically insignificant improvement for black obstetricians. So I think this is just crazy. They're parroting this mathematically absurd claim in order to justify a policy matter. I mean, it makes no sense. So, Judge Jackson, I do denounce you. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. I must also denounce kills me to do it because I love these guys. The boys in blue and the women in blue. The United States Postal Service. I love the Postal Service. Uh, I, I mean... Really, they're just the greatest. But over 450 cremated bodies have been lost in the mail, according to a February report. More than 450 cremated bodies have been lost in the post office, including one dating back over eight years. So when a loved one dies and wishes to be cremated, their bodies turned to ashes at a local crematorium and families are given their remains in neat little urns. Families often choose to make jewelry from their loved one's ashes so they can carry them forever. But to do so, the remains must be sent to a company across the country. And the only legal way to do that is to send them in a carefully marked package through the U.S. Postal Service by using its Priority Mail Express option. But apparently shipping human remains isn't always a successful endeavor. And they have lost 452 packages containing human ashes. And one of them was shipped back in February of 2015. And they're trying to find the ways to get the packages to their intended recipients. But you have to ask yourself, how did so many fail to reach their final uh, destination? This is, to me, just an awful black eye on the post office and the postal service. 
So I don't know if some of this has to do with improper labeling, but this is way too many. If it happens once, twice, three times, it's one thing. But 450 times? Come on, no good. U.S. Postal Service, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the Moroskis. Joseph Moroski, a former field director for the Old Bridge Soccer League, and his wife Kathleen, they've been arrested for stealing $91,000 from a youth soccer club to pay for a Disney trip and other splurges. This couple, who have since moved to Manalapan, they've been charged with theft of movable property over $75,000, and uh, we'll see where this goes. But uh, to me, if you're going to steal money, which apparently they did over the course of years, if you're going to steal money for kids... For your own selfish purposes, I have no respect for that at all. So the Morowskis, I do denounce you. And I must denounce the city of Cleveland. Cleveland ranks for the fourth year in a row as the most stressful city, the most stressed city, excuse me, in the United States. The, the people that, li- according to WalletHub, based on the metrics that they use, the people in Cleveland are more stressed out than Detroit, more stressed out than Baltimore, more than Birmingham, more than Philadelphia, more than Shreveport, more than Memphis, more than St. Louis. So maybe they just need more yoga in there or aromatherapy. But you guys in Cleveland, you're stressed out. And finally, I want to denounce the United Arab Emirates. You know, I try not to denounce countries like this too much because they do something every week that's worthy of denunciation. But this week is no exception. They are known. They're an oil rich nation, as we know. They're known for hosting a lot of wealthy individuals with huge cash reserves and a taste for exotic cars. Well, there was one TikTok creator who decided to poke fun at this and lampoon this in a TikTok video. So this man goes into a supercar dealership and he's wearing typical Emirati dress and he walks inside followed by assistants carrying a, a pallet stacked with money. And as the man marches about, he's throwing wads of cash to employees to go buy coffee while demanding to buy the most expensive car in the showroom. I need more expensive, brother. I don't need this. My driver will drive something like this. And he mocks a Ferrari SF90 as too cheap at a price of basically $600,000. And the video is a stunt. It's a stage stunt. Well, wouldn't you know it? They arrested this guy. They arrested this guy for creating this video. Now, I know they're not big into things like freedom of speech in the UAE. This is just a joke. Nobody was hurt by this. Nobody was harmed by this, including nobody in the government. But now the person that made this video is the subject of multiple charges, including broadcasting sensational propaganda and publishing content that does not comply with prevailing standards in Emirati society. 
They've also issued a summons for the owner of the dealership without listing any charges at this stage. Horrible. I read stories like this, and it just makes me so grateful to live in the United States of America. So, United Arab Emirates, I do denounce you. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.